Reading from Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. The word of the Lord. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. This is the word of the Lord. Uh, let me ask you a question to get us started this morning. Have you ever felt weighed down by love? You know, can you remember? Those of you who are a little older, weighed down by love? Ever, ever seen that um, whole locking of padlocks thing, uh, you know, on, on bridges? Kinda, it's kind of caught on and it's, it's all around the world. Um, for many young couples, as a sign of their love to, to, to one another, they have been writing their initials on padlocks. And I think this is where it got its start. It was in Paris. And, and what would happen is they'd lock them on the famous Pont de Arts Bridge in Paris, and uh, then they would throw the key into the Seine River down below. Now, here's the thing. On that particular bridge in Paris, over one million locks have been attached to that particular bridge. I, I think it's kind of actually a, a, a beautiful picture of love, I, I think, except for the fact that all of this love started to weigh down the bridge to the tune of 45 tons. That's 45,000 pounds or something like that. And, and so city officials last year, a couple years back, who have a less than romantic view of that bridge, they sent in city workers with cranes and bolt cutters in order to remove all the locks. And apparently now that, that particular bridge has been made lock-proof to lighten the load. And so would-be lovebirds have to go find other fences and locks to, to demonstrate their love to one another. I like that image, though, uh, weighed down by love. You know, whenever we pause to consider what Jesus has in mind for us, I'm not sure that he wants us necessarily to be weighed down by love, but we, we got to know that love is going to have a big part of, of what it means to follow him. I mean, think of the, the, the last words he said to his followers. He said, love one another as I have loved you. And, and, and then later in the passage we actually read where the, the lawyer comes to Jesus and asks him, what is the greatest commandment? What is Jesus' response? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your, your mind, all your strength, and, 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 and love your neighbor as yourself. This is the most, these are the most important commands. Love God and then love your neighbor. But don't just love your neighbor. Love your neighbor as intensely and as devotedly as you love who? Yourself. Sounds like a pretty high standard for a community, actually, of living with one another. And, and I'd say it is, but it is the standard that God has had for his people since the very beginning. We, we read in Leviticus 19.18, uh, and this is a good passage to consider this topic, Leviticus 19, that is, where it says, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against anyone among your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. 
Um, now, most of us have heard this, this call to love neighbors as ourselves. Most of us are familiar with this idea. And so today we're going to begin a series called Neighbors, where we're going to consider this this whole idea of loving others in a bunch of areas of our lives. We're going to think about how do we love other cultures? How do we love our families? How do we love the poor? How do we love our nation? In light of our nation's birthday this year, we're going to ask that question. How do we love our nation? How do we be good citizens? And we're going to pay attention to scriptures like we find in Philippians 2, where it says, do nothing out of, out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility, Value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. And so that's what we're going to do. And in this series, we're going to tr- seek to, to get our eyes and interests uh, on the interests of others. Considering this question, what would it look like to put others first and to consider them? Uh, two questions to get us started with today. Well, who is my neighbor? <laughs> Asked so well in that parable, and how do I love my neighbor? neighbors? Very simple questions with, with very interesting answers as we unpack them. And the scripture we're going to be focusing on this morning, you're going to want to turn there if you have a Bible, is Romans 13, verses 8 through 10. And we'll also take a, a brief excursion into the Good Samaritan story that we had read just now, and it's found in Luke 10. But if you've got a Bible, open it up to Romans chapter 13, where it reads, let no debt remain outstanding except the, the debt, the continuing debt, to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And, what other command ever, and whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. Um, this is not a, a new phrase to our ears. And many, many have heard it say, said this way, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. We know that as the words of Jesus as well. We, we call that what? The, the golden rule. We find it in Luke 6. And, and sometime, sometime, some, some, I think, today think that's a common idea across all religions, this whole idea of doing unto others as you'd have them do it unto you. Really, the closest thing that we come to this commandment in other religions to loving our neighbors as ourselves was from Confucius. He was asked by one of his followers, is there any kind of one word that could guide a person through life? And Confucius' answer was, was, well, there's the word shu, which is a word that means reciprocity. And he said, never impose on others what you would not choose for yourself. What you do not wish for yourself do not do to others. So it's kind of stated in the the negative. If you don't want to, uh, if I don't want you to cheat me, then I don't cheat you, right? Two thumbs up on that one. If, if, uh, you know, you don't want, if I don't want you to steal my cat, I don't steal your cat, right? Because cat stealing apparently is rampant these days. Have you not read the news? It's actually not true. No one likes cats. Why would they steal a cat? Um, (laughs) If I don't want to be pushed around, I, I'm not going to push you around. Right, Jordy? Plus, that guy's built. I mean, he could take me out. We could, it all sounds kind of fair. We could kind of be in an agreement with that, I think. But, but what the principle doesn't give us is any sense of responsibility or reason to help you out if you're just simply in trouble. You're on your own, right? It's about restraining evil. Don't do things you don't want done to you. So when when Scripture and Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself, we're being invited by Jesus into a radically, radically different approach. Our text in Romans 10 says, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. I I like the old adage, uh, may your college memories last as long as your student loan payments do. (laughs) Uh, You know, in my house uh, growing up, I had a fear of, of debt. In our family, my parents uh, grew up in the Depression, and debt was a scary thing. Debt could get you into trouble. It was called the big D in our household, debt. And I'll never forget when my, uh, my dad, I was going to be doing traveling like my son just did, and my dad said, you're going to need a credit card in case you get into trouble, but only when you get in trouble. And he gave me this long lecture, and he, and, and he outlined for me that there's good debt and there's bad debt. 
Like good debt, like, you know, having a, having a home and maybe having a mortgage. And there's bad debt, you know, like using this, this card to go out for a meal. Don't borrow money to, to go to a concert. Don't borrow money to, you know, buy the latest gadget or toy in your life. I, I learned that very, very well. It was hammered into me from my dad. And no matter what uh, Paul actually says in this pat- passage, let no debt remain outstanding. In, in other words, that's a word for us, just they, hey, if you get in debt, pay your debts, right? Simple as that. <laughs> but he says there's such, such a thing as a good kind of debt that we all continuously carry. You'll never pay it down, the continuing debt to love one another. Now, who's the one another here? Well, it's not just Christians, We're not just commanded to love Christians as you love yourself. In the verses just prior in in Romans 13, before it it talks about paying debts. It talks about about paying our taxes to those to whom we pay taxes to. It talks about submission to authorities. Well, in their case, who were the authorities? They were the Romans. Were Romans Christians? Not likely. Not, Not many, anyway, at that point in time. So who are we to love? This was asked of Jesus in the Good Samaritan passage, who is my neighbor? And, and some of you will remember that, that Jesus' definition of neighbor is, might be quite different than our definition of neighbor. The story is of this, this Jewish man beaten and robbed and left for dead on the road, and a Samaritan, one who was of an ethnic background that was hated by the Jews. He comes across on his way, he finds this man as he's on his way to, to Jerusalem, and he drops everything. He stops, and remarkably, he puts his life on hold to help this man, to rescue this man, to put him on his own transportation, to bind his wounds, and take him and, and, and make sure he's okay. So according to Jesus, according to this very well-known parable, a neighbor could be someone you didn't know at the start of your day. A, a neighbor could be someone that very, very different than you. You could say a neighbor is anyone and everyone that you come in contact with. It's not just the people you like and, and that you love. A neighbor can be a stranger. When they enter into our proximity, they become a neighbor. Our neighbors aren't just those, is what Jesus is saying, is those you share a fence with or a wall with. They're the ones we share streets with. They're the, the ones we share desks with at work. They're, their neighbors are those we rub shoulders with all throughout the day. You know, we meet them in grocery stores and gas stations and, and golf courses. We, we meet them at the beach and in the park and at the end of our street. And as they come into our proximity, they, they become our neighbor. Even, I would suggest to you, this bold thought that even the traffic that we meet when we're driving to work in our day, those two are our neighbors. Try loving them. Let me explain this for a moment. Um, say someone uh, slips on the ice and falls on the sidewalk in Calgary. They're not my neighbor. They might be my friend Murray's neighbor because Murray actually lives in Calgary. But, but they're not my neighbor. Uh, but let's say one of you, uh, you, know, you know, rushing at the end of the service to get your caffeine boost at the back and uh, to feed that addiction. And, and so you, you're running. Yeah, I know that was a bit of a judgment call. On myself, I must say. Um, you're running, and you trip and fall right in front of me. In, in that moment, you are my neighbor. You are in my near proximity. You're not a stranger who I can, I can dismiss. You're an image bearer of God, and I now have a responsibility to love you as I love myself even if you're ahead of me in the coffee line. So neighbors are, are people that we get involved with in every moment, every day, at the park, the mall, anywhere and everywhere we live. Just, just like the Good Samaritan simply came across this needy man on the road and then leapt into help and was neighborly, we're to do the same for others. So that gives us an idea of who our neighbors could be or would be. But if we're honest, I'd suggest this presents a bit of a problem for us. A couple of problems we'll look at. First, who knows that we set limits on our love? That we tend to set caps on on our love. The Israelites did this as well. It's kind of part of our heritage. 
I mean, throughout their history, the people of Israel weren't really that good at this whole idea of neighborliness. They were good at excluding their neighbors. They became the kind of people who enjoyed their own type. They, they liked those who were kind of like themselves, and they, they kind of had a, what you might call a bit of an in-group. I'm sure you've seen this uh, or experienced this in your life, this, this idea of the in-crowd, you know, maybe at, at work or, or at school or some other context, um, this, this in-crowd. Some, some people are, are, are desperate to be part of the in-crowd. Uh, it reminded me this week of this film I saw back, way back when I was a teenager in the 80s uh, called Can't Buy Me Love. I don't know if any of you remember that. This is Patrick Dempsey before he was... McDreamy on Grey's Anatomy, and uh, this is actually the, at the end of the film, this picture, but at the beginning of the film, he's a nerd, and he's so desperate to be part of the in crowd that he, he finds the most popular girl in the school and pays her $1,000 to be his girlfriend, and by the end of the film, he's, he's the most popular guy in school. Turns out you just got to be welcomed by the in crowd. And, and, and if you're part of that in-crowd that, that kind of finds itself clustering together, there can be some benefits. There, there can be some privileges to be, being part of that group. And let me say, perhaps you've even felt that kind of tension here at church, here at Hillside, uh, the, the, the gathering of God's people where you find that, that there is this tendency to drift towards and be attracted to people who are just like you. The, the, the movement towards, I'd say the movement towards sameness it's just so profoundly strong in our culture. The idea of loving outside, above and, and beyond ourselves, the idea of loving the outsider, it can be quite a confronting idea. So I, I'd say we, we live in a, in a climate where we tend to gravitate towards loving ourselves and loving people who are most like us. You know, we, we can hear this command to, to love your neighbor as yourself, and I think some of us can say, I think I do that very well. And what you have in your mind is you, you have in your mind the people that you love who are in the same age range, in the same season of life, the people are, who are from the same culture, people who, who you like and who you already love. And we can, we can say, I can extend to them a great sense of love. I can love my neighbor. But to love our neighbor according to Jesus is to love anyone that comes into our proximity. And what's that love to look like? Well, it's to be a, a love that is with the same kind of intensity, the same kind of devotion, the same kind of persistence, the same type of, type of creativity, the same type of persistence that you love yourself. That's loving your neighbor as yourself. Now, folks, this kind of, of loving is revolutionary, and it has been revolutionary in, in the early church uh, among the, the Christians. When it when it caught on with them, it, it, it spread like gangrene. It was unbelievable. It actually turned the Roman Empire upside down. I mean, let me give you an example of, of what this kind of neighborly love did among the Christians in, in the city of Rome. It was a time where, where sexual promiscuity was very high and where just everybody was greedy. And in comes the Christian who practices sexual faithfulness and financial generosity. <laughs> This is how they lived. So a question for you, if you were a pagan Roman, who would you want to have as your neighbor? I, I don't know about you, I, 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 I'm not sure I would choose the, the person who will sleep with anyone if they can and is stingy with their money. I, I, would, I would choose the guy or the gal who, who is sexually faithful and practices radical generosity. That's who I'd choose, and they did. And that was the, the revolutionary quality of, of their love. They, their love of neighbor began to actually transform the neighborhood, amazingly enough. And that's part of this loving neighborliness that we are called to love out. So our first problem is that we tend to put limits on our love, you know, who we love. Tending to limit our love to those who are most like us, those that are easiest for us to love. The second uh, problem is that we tend to limit how we love one another. Now let's come back to Romans 13. It says, uh, again, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. 
What is the law? Well, Paul goes on to list some of the Ten Commandments that were given to Moses that have specifically the ones that have to do with how we treat other people. The, the, the Ten Commandments, by the way, really do reflect that command. Love God. All, the first commandments have to do with loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the rest of the commandments have to do with how we treat one another. And, and so, so the commandments, Paul says, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And whatever other command there may be are summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Notice what it, what it says here. Whoever loves others fulfills the law, and then the law is summed up as loving neighbors as yourself. Paul's saying if you love your neighbor, you won't sleep with their spouse. He's, say, he's saying if you love your neighbor, you won't lie about them or lie to them. When, when you love your neighbor, you won't covet their belongings. When you love your neighbor, you won't let your anger turn into violence or resentment or bitterness. If you love your neighbor, you won't steal their things, even their cats, as much as you might covet them. I feel like I'm preaching to the choir here this morning. I feel like probably most of us are going, yeah, you know, I, I think most of us would be in an agreement here. You know, we, we're like, I, I don't want to limit who I love, and I don't want to limit how I love. But there's a difficulty here, and I, I think we can all be challenged by it, because if we're really, really honest, we do not love others as we love ourselves. Because loving, as Paul says, loving others isn't just about obeying the commandments. It's, it's not just not cheating or, or stealing or, or, or lying. Loving our neighbors is not just the absence of bad, but it's the presence of good. It's, loving our neighbors is not just the, 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 the absence of of evil in our lives. It's the presence of good propelled out in through us. Which, which, and really the, the measure of that goodness, according to, to Scripture, is to be the same degree that you love yourself. Which raises a good question. How well do you love yourself? And the message that we hear in our day is all of us are really bad at this. You know, self-esteem is terrible. We have, you know, you go to the library, you go to, go to the bookstore and, and, and read online, and we find all kinds of stuff, how you don't love yourself enough. I actually disagree. We love ourselves plenty. I think we really are, you know, an age where we love ourselves really, really well. We're good at this. We've got a gift at loving ourselves. We may not think it. We sometimes feel bad about ourselves, but we still really do a good job at taking care of ourselves, do we not? Aren't you, don't you feel like when you live your life, even when you're having a terrible day, your self-interest is still the major thing on your mind? Right? And maybe, maybe, maybe your spouse, maybe your kids get a taste. Right? I, I, I like how one commentator put this. this. Do you love yourself enough to feed yourself every day? He goes on to say, therefore you ought to seek the good of others so that they have food. He says, do you, do you love yourself enough to desire shelter? Therefore, you ought to desire shelter for others. Do you love yourself enough to seek financial security? Then you ought to seek financial security for others. Do you love yourself enough to seek good, close friends? Then you ought to seek good, close friendships for others. Uh, a French author once wrote, someday you will find out that there is far more happiness in another's happiness than in your own. <laughs> Yet too often I think we are, are very, very far from seeking the happiness of others with the same kind of commitment that we seek our own. We don't often extend the, the same kind of patience and, and understanding to other people that we extend to ourselves. I found this out, I, thinking about this this week, I am relentlessly patient with myself. I give myself a lot of grace, a lot of grace, not so much to others. You know, we often don't share the same kind of care and, and consideration of, of people's feelings that we would want for ourselves. Let me, let me say, not, not many of us labor, uh, pardon me, many of us labor 
long, long hours for expensive gifts and toys and presents for ourselves. But not many of us labor long hours to buy expensive things for other people. I, I think we're very good at loving ourselves. And, and, and this is where our, my, my problem is, is because I don't love you as much as I love myself. I really struggle with this. By the way, I think this is the whole point of the Good Samaritan story. This guy, this, this religious leader comes to Jesus and he asks the question, what does he ask? What do I do to inherit eternal life? What do I do to gain right standing before God? And Jesus points him to the law, which he, he recites, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus says, you have answered correctly, do this and you will live. And friends, this is where this man should have said, but I can't do that. I can't, I can't, I can't do that. I can't love God with all of my heart. I mean, all of it, Un- unwavering, un- unyielding, you know, with perfect consistency, with all my strength, I- I'm-, I'm too undisciplined. I-, I too easily gravitate towards lesser, lesser things. <laughs> with-, with all my mind, I- you know, I struggle to remember people's names, and you want me to, to-, to memorize your word, oh Lord, and meditate on that? And you want me to love my neighbor as myself. And you know what, that would, uh, in my estimation, that would take a lot of time, a lot of, a lot of money, a lot of effort. I can't do it. And this guy doesn't say that. This, this guy seeks to do what? It actually says that he, in order to justify himself, he tries for the loophole by asking the question, well, who's my neighbor? Surely I can love my neighbor. What, what, why is he doing, what's he doing there? He's trying to limit who he loves and how he loves so that he can have right standing before God and Jesus does not let him have it. Don't you see that on our own, we will never be able to justify ourselves before God. We will never be able to do the things to fulfill the law, to inherit eternal life, to love the Lord our God as we're meant to, to love our neighbor as ourselves, as fully and completely and as perfectly as the, the Lord demands. When Jesus asks us to, to love God and love our neighbor as ourself, it, it's, it's kind of like a shock treatment. It's like he's putting a mirror up to ourselves and showing us how fall, far we actually fall short of fulfilling this, which quite honestly leaves us in a bit of a jam, actually. We can't do it. And so we need someone else to fulfill the law on our behalf. And this is where, again, surprise, surprise, the good news of the gospel comes in. Matthew 5, 17, Jesus says, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I'm still holding up the standards, people. It's still there. This is what the Lord requires of thee. I have not come to abolish them, he says, but I've come to what? Fulfill them. And it says about the law, it says, for what the law was powerless to do in Romans 8, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. What these verses are reminding us is that Jesus fulfilled in himself all of what God has commanded of us. He's done it. He's fulfilled it. Twice it says in Romans 13 that love is what? The fulfillment of the law. Jesus himself has done this perfectly. He loves God perfectly. He has loved his neighbor perfectly as he has himself. In fact, Jesus proves to be our greatest neighbor. And a prime example of what loving a neighbor actually looks like. We follow his lead as we seek to, to love the neighbors that God puts in our lives. So as Jesus loves us, as we grasp how he loves us, we're then filled up with the love of God in return to love our neighbors as ourselves. This is why we can never kind of stray from the message of of the cross. (laughs) You know, if we at Hillside want any hope of, of loving our neighbors as we love ourselves, we have to have Christ's love always in view. Otherwise, we can't do it. I can't truly love God and and love you unless I have God's love in my life. And here's the thing. 
as we've said many, many times here before, as we begin to experience the lavish, generous, generous, humble, beautiful, sacrificial love of Christ, amazing love of God, it's as, it's as if we begin to feel this debt towards others in our lives. As our perception of the love of God in our lives grows, what, what partners with that is this sense of, we owe somebody something. What do we owe? We owe this debt of love that we owe to every person that we come in contact with, every neighbor around us, because we had a debt that, that had to be paid, a debt of sin, and as Jesus pays that debt, he frees us up to owe others love. Let me give you an example. Um, it's a pretty hot real estate market in the greater Vancouver area right now, isn't it? Uh, and uh, I, just, just let's think about this for something radical. I mean, it's like lottery day for you. And somebody says, I, I want to buy you a house. And they amazingly buy you a house. They've got cash. And they buy you the most amazing house in the nicest neighborhood in Coquitlam. And it's all free and clear. I mean, you're, you're at the door and they're handing you the keys. And you're like, how can I ever repay you? And they say, hey, listen, it's paid for. Don't do a thing. It's yours. And, and yet, I'd love you to do just one thing with this. I, I want to bless you. I want you to enjoy this house. I want you to experience comfort and to have this place be a refuge. But I, didn't, I, I, I want you to, to be the kind of person that offers that to others. Oh, welcome people into your home. Make it a place of welcome and refuge. Do that. I would say because you then go living your life, you would not have a mortgage, but you would still have a debt. And it would be not a debt of, oh, I'm weighed down by debt. I'm weighed down by this gift. You be- it- it's this debt of love that you're just, it's a joy to pay. And, and guaranteed, if that happens to you, you're welcoming people into your life and you're showing them love as it has been so radically, generously been shown to you. All this text is, is asking us to do in, is in light of Jesus. When you walk into a room and you see the faces of people, you're to think to yourself, I owe you something. When you come to church and you see people, you're, you're to think, I, I owe you love today. And, 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 you know, if we begin to do that in our offices, in our work, in our neighborhoods, or wherever we live or work or go to school, can you imagine if we're really doing this, if we're actually beginning to, to live this out? Everyone coming into a place and saying, I am not here for me. I'm, I'm not in this for me. I, I, I've already had all my, my core needs provided for. I'm rich. I, I don't have to, to come into social situations fearful because perfect love casts out fear. I, I've tasted this love, and it's freed me. I, I don't have to any longer. I, I, can, I can come into to situations and say, how can I love you today? How can I love you like I've been loving myself? And Jesus, this, this, he, he can free us to do that. We, we owe people a debt of love. So how do we see this playing out here? How do, we, how do we see this working its way into our lives, this living out of, of this second of, of God's greatest commandments? Some, some quick things to consider, just, just briefly. I think if we do, if, I think if we seek to love others with the same kind of love we have for ourselves, one area that's going to play itself out in is in the area of hospitality. As we seek to make our homes or have homes or make our homes homey. A lot of us spend a lot of money making our homes homey. As we do that, we will seek that for others. And so we can be on the, the lookout each week for those that come across our path who we can invite into our lives, invite into our homes, sharing a meal, I mean, sharing a coffee. I mean, every time you open the fridge, you can be opening up your heart to someone else, wanting to seek to, to bless them. When, when you share a meal, you're, you're sharing your life. Loving neighbors might look like the art of hospitality. And, and folks, if, if this has not been part of your practice, it needs to become part of your practice. And, and start small. I, I mean, can you make a cup of coffee and not totally mess it up? Can you? 
Yeah, Rob, Robert can't, he says. Yeah, so tea, tea, warm water, cold, cold water, warm water, ice water. Can you do that? Can you mess up ice water? All right, start there. <laughs> Offer a glass of water. Come on in. Your friend's mowing the lawn. Hey, do you want to? Here's a glass of you, you can do this. You can practice this art of hospitality. Loving neighbors might look like that. I think it'll play out in the area of relationship. Um, some of you really want to be known. You, you really want to be accepted. You want to be understood and listened to. Um, you want better friendships. Can I say this to you? <laughs> that that impulse isn't in you so that you would just sit and wait for it to happen in your life? <laughs> it's, it's so you'd go out and be on the lookout for, for being a friend and, and loving people through friendships. Y- you want friends to call? What are you called to do? You call. You want friends to drop in? Maybe even bring food or drink? You do those things. Loving neighbors might look like friendship. The last area is the area of generosity. What if every day you lived out this value? As someone once said, a a good work is always within arm's reach. And this might mean being generous with your time. might mean being generous with your money. This might mean being generous with your skills. Think about this. Some of you might say, if I was to spend as much money on others as I spend on myself, wow, that would be expensive. <laughs> Way too expensive. Most of us would say that, but, but what if we did? What if we spent as much on others as we spend on ourselves? As I was preparing this this week, it felt like, felt like this particular question became more and more focused because I go, that's impossible. And I kept hearing the Holy Spirit say to me, that's not impossible. That's what, that's what the early church looked like. <laughs> they, they, they loved others so much that, that they, they weren't looking at a balance sheet. They weren't trying to be ahead of the, on, the, on the score. It was like they were loving with open hands. That's a, a picture, I think, of, of what, a vision of what our church could be. That, that we're living that way. And I, and I go, Lord, I, my heart is not there yet. And I think I'm still too self-absorbed and too greedy and, and too selfish. And, and yet there's this desire in me, and I think this is God, and, and I wonder if he's given you this desire too, to want what he wants, to want to love with all you've got, to truly love your neighbor as yourself. This is how it might play out, folks. It might, it, it might look like uh, you know, hospitality, it might look like friendship, it might look like generosity, and we'll talk in, in the weeks to come some of the other ways it might look like as we seek to love our neighbors, but any given day, you're, you're placed in proximity to, and you've been put in contact with, any number of people who bear the image of God, and our God is asking you to value them and to love them. Just to, just to conclude, I want you to take this encouragement. Do you know that today the tomb is still empty? (laughs) Isn't that good? The tomb is still empty. And Jesus sits enthroned at the right hand of the Father over everything. And he has given us what? The Holy Spirit. There's this whole triune work going on in our lives and he's given us this, this command to love our neighbors as we love ourselves, and he gives his Holy Spirit inside us in order to empower us to be able to do that. And this is the kind of community, this is the kind of church that we want to be. It's the kind of way we want to treat others. And it'll only happen as we yield our lives and open up ourselves to God and to his power and and, and recognize that he is the one who loves us. So let's ask him for that help right now. Let, would you bow your heads with me and, and let's, let's pray. Lord, this morning, what a compelling picture of your love. 
what an invitation you've, you've given to us, Jesus, that we would love our neighbors as much as we love ourselves. It is an incredibly confronting idea, God, and we are barely able to contain our wonder at such a command, Lord. Lord, this morning we ask you to help us. Help us not to limit our love to those we simply like or who are like us. We ask you, Lord, this morning to to help us not limit how we love, but by your Holy Spirit, you would teach us in very real ways what it looks like to love others with as much fierce loyalty and passion and commitment as we actually love ourselves. And God, help us to display this love through every area of our lives, but would you cause us to grow in the opening up of our homes. Lord, we as Canadians are not good at this, but I, I just envision, Lord, coffee shops and, and summer decks and, and front rooms, uh, meals over tables together. I, I just see this happening. I pray you'd help us grow in this area of loving others, not just friends, but neighbors in hospitality. Lord, we pray you'd grow us in our relationships. Father, we would be, become we would become better friends to the friendless. Lord, uh, that, that we might pursue the same kind of friendships for others as we would pursue for ourselves. And Lord, would you release generosity in our midst that we would no longer hold so tightly to our time and our talents and our treasures, but you might use those, those things in our lives to, to further your kingdom and to show God's love to our world. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.
what others see in me. Jesus be the only life I breathe. Jesus be what others see in me. May all my do and all I am prove your love for the world. And may all that see as my reason for being be Christ in me. The hope of glory Christ in me, the hope of glory, Christ in me. your heads for a minute. I just sense we're meant to linger here for a minute. Just pray. How has God been speaking to you this morning? Again, I just, I just sense this morning that uh, we're not where we're meant to be. Father, we confess our self-devotion and our love for self, God. And we ask for your grace and your forgiveness. Lord, uh, we can't do it. And maybe we've been trying for a long time to, to jump through the hoops uh, or to find the loopholes. And, uh, and this morning you're saying, uh, you know, I fulfilled all that. I took care of it. And, I, and I, I want you to live in this, I want you to live mortgage free. You don't have to carry that debt anymore. Look, look to what I've done for you. Look, look at how I've loved you. Look at how I'm loving you. I fulfilled all, everything. I did it for you, and I bestow on you my righteousness that I earned through the cross. It's yours, and you can rest in it, and you don't have to pay a dime to receive it. But there is a debt that you have. You owe others love. And you're not going to be able to do it on your own. Look to me. Cry out to me. Step out. It, this is one of those impossible things. It's like walking on water. You can't do it. If your eyes are, are trying to figure out the logistics, if you're trying to make it happen, look to me. By my spirit. You'd, ama you'd be amazed what we can do together. Jesus is inviting you to get out of the boat and go and, and, and love. And uh, I, I think he's put his finger on something today. You kind of know what you need to do. Would you respond? Would you do that today? As a, as a symbol of your repentance, that you would say, yes, God, I'll go. I'll do whatever it is you're calling me to do. I give you my life. By your grace and help, I'll go.
Just remain seated for the benediction this morning. Just, just stay where you are. Let me conclude with these words. Wherever you go, know that God is sending you. Wherever you are, God has put you there. God has a purpose in your being right where you are. Christ who indwells you by the power of his spirit wants to show his love through you. Believe this and go in his grace, his love, and his power. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. In all I do and all I am, prove the love of the world. And may all that see, that's my reason for being, be Christ. Hope of glory, Christ in me. The hope of glory, Christ in me. Amen. This morning, if you like prayer or you want to stay and pray, you're welcome to. We, we would pray for you at the front here if you like prayer. Uh, love to connect. Uh, and uh, with each other. So enjoy our hospitality. Coffee, tea, no fighting to get the coffee, anyone. And uh, just remind you, Baby Bottle at Pregnancy Concerns is a great ministry that we partner with. Love what they do uh, for, for families. Uh, you can grab the, one of those and take that as a reminder to give to their ministry. Uh, Discover Hillside, that's happening in a couple Saturdays. And so uh, in the foyer, just uh, feel free to grab, uh, sign up if you'd like to get more connected with who we are and what we're about as a church. We'll take a, take a day to do that. God bless you as you go.